Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse. And we are the Dad Fathers coming at you with some green energy. Oh, very eco-friendly. No? Very eco-friendly. I think moss is going on here. Yes, what we love to promote the growth of things, especially if it's trees on knights' faces. Yeah, we're big fans of trees on knights' faces. Huge. And love we, it yeah, we love to keep rolling so that way moss does not grow on us and we aren't green. Like Rolling Stone! <laughs> <laughs> so today we're doing our, a new release for the month of August. This is technically a movie that came out the last weekend of July, but it has been postponed numerous times by A24, and it's one that we have all been anticipating very hotly. It's The Green Knight. I'm so happy this finally came out. So happy to have seen it. How do you guys feel? Very excited to talk about it. Mm. Same as Mike. Very excited to talk about it. I just love it. Screw That's awesome. That's not, I, I don't. I don't not love it. I'm. I'm that being cagey. Would you Would you say that to your wife? I'm being cagey. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas has nothing would to I do to with me? this movie, but this is the Green Knight. We're doing this movie <laughs> for a couple reasons. Oh, did you just get my pun? I just got your stupid pun. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> Why are we doing this movie? <laughs> Mostly so I can make puns that take you forever to figure out. But secondly, we're doing it at least for myself. Is I've been anticipating this for a long time. The creator of it, David Lowry, is a guy I really admire. And I really respect Dev Patel is one of our best working new actors. And this trailer, when I finally saw the teaser trailer, is bananas. It's B-A-N-A-N-A-S. The shit is bananas. It is bananas. And mm-hmm. even when I saw the movie, I was like, this movie is bananas. What are we doing? This is exactly what I want to see in a movie. So for me, that's why I wanted to do it. Uh, how about you, Jesse? Why did you? Oh, I wanted to do it because th- there are knights here. It's a King Arthur movie. Not that all King Arthur movies are good. I really don't like a lot of them. But some of them are very cool. You know, there hasn't been a movie about fairy tales that has come out in a long time. Well, it's called The Shape of Water. Don't you remember that one? (laughs) We don't bring up that movie. That movie sucks. (laughs) It sucks major balls. I don't ever want to mention Shape of Water. (laughs) I hate that movie. That movie's awful. It's the worst. It's the absolute worst. No, but this is is based on that classic fairy tale, right? I'm familiar with the original fairy tale and i remember like reading it in high school and i remember liking it then well, well, so what's like, the what's the fairy tale called jesse sir garwin and the green knight yeah yeah oh, okay there we go i like to say it's sir garwin sir and garwin. the grand niggas <laughs> that's how i think that john harris would pronounce it probably I, yeah i kind of always want to pronounce it garwin from now on because one of the characters in this movie pronounces it garwin namely king arthur and it made me think, like, it made me do a double take in my mind. Like, is there an R in there that I've never read? Did I just talk? Was it, like, one of those moments where I've, like, never remembered an R in the name? No. It, it's, it's just a W. No, no. He just decided at random yes. to just say it this way. And the director's like, well, all right. That's cool. Roll with yeah, it. Yeah, because everybody says the name a different way. Why yeah, not? It, he's the OG, truly. Original Green. <laughs> that's good is, is it really is that really the joke you were making it kind of yeah. <laughs> it's such but it's, no I, we're gonna let that we're gonna let the dead air sit i don't want you to, I, have to deal with this uh, in real time all right <laughs> i'm just gonna say that i love fairy tales i love showing my kids fairy tales so i really want to talk this about this on the podcast because this is a fairy tale book and i love passing fairy tales on to my kids and this being a fairy tale movie i wanted to see it and i wanted to talk about it that's awesome how do you feel 
So I saw the trailer to this. Um, it came out. I was like finishing up my work day. I was excited. I saw the trailer. I was super excited. Like this is a weird ass movie, and I love weird ass movies. I I'm all all up for them. I enjoy the experience immensely. I'm I'm a big fan of stuff that's like very symbolic and maybe not symbolic. Maybe it's just weird. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in here that's weird. But so I saw the trailer for it, like popped up on my phone as I was wrapping up the workday. And I, I just sat down and watched it. And I came out, I'm still working from home. I came out from work and my wife to show my wife is like, oh my gosh, you're going to be so excited by this incredibly weird looking like artsy movie. And she's, she's there. She's like cooking dinner and like three kids are hanging off of her. And, and she's like, she just stops and stares at me, not at the screen at me for the full three minutes of the trailer. And then it's done. She says, I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Like what, what, why do you hate it? What? And then I realized what was going on and, and, and realized it wasn't maybe the best time to show. What a reason for a trailer for both of you. For, <laughs> for, for, a, for a weird artsy movie. Yeah. But so I was really excited to see it. I mean, I love King Arthur. I love Sir Gawain. I, uh, I'm i a big Garwin. fan of Knights in Shining Armor. Grew up on them. Garmer. It, 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 is, it, is, it is Gormar. <laughs> uh, so yeah i was excited to see it and mostly like i was excited to talk to you guys about it because this is a weird ass movie and i am so excited to hear your your takes like i'm so excited about how much you love it that's true and to find out what jesse feels about it it, it really <laughs> is up to jesse to tell us how jesse feels. Yeah. <laughs> it is uh, but that that'll be after the cast and crew for this movie i think Indeed, this is uh, directed, written, edited, and produced by David Lowry, who is previously known for Eighth Body Saints, A Ghost Story, Pete's Dragon, and The Old Man and the Gun, also known as Robert Redford's retirement movie, until we all saw, saw him in Endgame, which kind of hmm. messed up that whole movie, is <laughs> the fact that Old Man and the Gun is not actually Robert Redford's final movie, it's actually Endgame, which kind of makes me sad about things, that old man Robert Redford couldn't just say that he was retiring with this cool original movie, he had to show up for 10 minutes in Avengers Endgame. And that makes me about as sad as the fact Bacall shows up and her final screen credit is for Family Guy. It makes me sad in a similar way that we just can't let screen giants just go out on their own. They have to go out in this weird commercial way. That's sad. Anyway. He went out in Endgame, though. If you're going to go out for a big commercial a movie, it would guy. be for Endgame. As a bad guy. Robert Redford's not a bad guy. It, that's that's the Sundance kid. That's... But- it's Jeremiah Johnson. But this is game. Get throw it away. No, so I got some hot opinions here tonight. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying that for screen legend Robert Redford, he did better work and more intense and sincere human work in movies before he was cast as a random baddie in the Marvel universe. That's I don't know. That's that's a hot take, Vito. I don't know. I don't know I don't if, if the hot. world is gonna I don't accept think it's that. that. A hot take. I mean, I, Robert I, I, Redford is the hero of Endgame. <laughs> That's a hot take. What I said, I think, is just the truth. David Lowry does other work, though. He uh, he executive produced, I think, two years ago, Miss Juneteenth, or last year anyway. And he also, I think, he he produced uh, Upstream Color by Shane Carruth, friend of the pod. Nick loves I hate that, movie. that movie. I hate. I that know. Movie. I do too. But man, Nick loves that movie. <laughs> I I know he does, and I watched it because Nick recommended it to me. But indeed. It, or, yeah, I don't think even think he recommended it because I don't think he recommends this movie. He just said he loved it, so it's like, oh, I guess I should watch it this time. Then, then I watched it and said, "What the f- are these pigs doing here? Why? <laughs> why are there pigs? <laughs> why is he recording sound?" 
I don't understand anything about that movie. Remember the time that the guy, she said the guy had a head like the sun and then we never saw the guy's face because it was always drowned in light. Oh, that sucked. Yeah, it did. It did. Made me really upset. But he also helped out with Listen Up Philip from Alex Ross Perry, who's a filmmaker I really, really love. So he's around. He does a lot. A Ghost Story is, is just a masterpiece. Love it. This is starring Dev Patel. We know him from Slumdog Millionaire. We also know him from yes. Last Airbender. <laughs> but he's also in like the best exotic Marigold Hotel. He's also in uh, The Newsroom, which is one of my wife's favorite shows. And it's fun. It's a fun time. Yeah. But also, Chippy. Do you, do you guys watch Chippy? I, I have not seen Chippy. Oh, nope. uh, Ch- nope, Chippy, good robot. Yeah, Chippy's good. <laughs> Chippy's oh. fantastic. And that's a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> that is a hot take. That sounds like yeah, a hot that. take based on that voice. I don't want he's to watch a robot. that. Movie. He's just a little. He's a little. He's a little robot. He he gets taken in by some gangsters, uh, who is Di Antwerd, the South African rap group, and then he's right. raised into a life of crime. And uh, his his buddy Dev Patel is trying to save him, while his evil father Hugh Jackman is trying to hunt him down. <laughs> what could go wrong? It's a really weird movie. <laughs> I really like it. Anyway, moving on. Alicia Vikander, this year's Beckett and Blue Bayou. She's also known for being in the reboot of Tomb Raider, which was awful. And The Light Between Oceans. She's also in Jason Bourne, The Danish Girl, for which she gets her Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. And then Ex Machina, who I think that might be the role that we're most familiar with her. Probably. Yeah. Remember seeing that in theaters? I do remember seeing it in theaters. Yeah. 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 That was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. You love that movie. I do love that movie. Yeah. How well, do you feel about that? I don't love that movie. It was good. It was fine. It was, I, yeah, that's it was not placating. No, it was fun. <laughs> like, okay, so sometimes I have problems with movies and I focus on those problems. Yes. But it's more just to explain why I feel like something is just fine as opposed to incredible. And so that's why I'm not going to go into them because it's fine. That is a terrible explanation. I don't even know what that explanation <laughs> is, but that was awful. That was, oh, Mike. Ow. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like your, it's like your parasite take about the trash. Hey, okay, that that is a real issue with that movie is that they couldn't pick up the freaking trash in time. Like everyone would have smelled, the family would have smelled all of the alcohol. I've and heard been like, this what opinion. Is going on? It seems like every day for decades. Is this how long it feels like? But I've had no one else opinion. seems to care. No Nobody one seems it's to care. <sighs> Moving on. Moving on. We are we are devolving. Uh, Joel Edgerton uh, in this year's The Underground Railroad from Barry Jenkins on Amazon Prime. He's also in The King, which he helped write. Bright. Remember how, how shitty that movie was? That movie sucks. I didn't oh see gosh. it. Oh my gosh! Oh, it's I, awful. I, that's yeah. He plays a he plays a troll cop. Yeah. And then Will Smith is his partner, who's a human cop. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw previews for that. Netflix tries to push all of their shit on everybody, and they produce <laughs> lots of shit constantly. Yeah, you just want your eyes. That's it. That movie's bad though. That movie's that wow. But he's also in It Comes at Night, which I love. He's in Loving, which is fantastic. He's in The Gift, The Great Gatsby, Zero Dark Thirty. He's in the original King Arthur. This is not his first time playing around in the Arthurian Mm -hmm. legacy. And he's also cousin Lars in uh, Star Wars episodes two and three. Wow. Oh, and he's in Warrior with Tom Hardy. He is indeed in Warrior, Mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite sports movies. So that that deserves a call out. I feel like all that means is that it's one of the sports movies you've seen. <laughs> no, I've seen lots of sports movies. Really? I grew up you don't watching like sports, lots. Though. No, I don't like sports, but my family grew up watching lots of sports movies, even though we didn't watch sports. But Warrior is one of my favorite sports movies. I see. This is interesting. 
We'll have to do this again at some point. Yeah, we'll save that one. We'll we save will. that one yeah. for a possible upcoming series. Uh, we have Sean Harris here playing King Arthur. He's also in The King. He's also in Mission Possible Fallout and Rogue Nation as the bad guy. Uh, he's in 71, Prometheus, and Harry Brown. He's terrifying in Harry Brown. Finally, we have Barry Keegan playing our scavenger. He's in Upcoming Eternals, also in Black 47, American Animals, Dunkirk, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, and 71 as well. He is terrifying. He's in The Killing of a Sacred Deer. That is one of the most disturbing performances I've seen in a very long time. That very much scared me. That was, oh, yeah, he's great. He's a scary dude. Barry Keegan was just hospitalized because he was assaulted for some reason. I don't know why, but... He is in Ireland right now shooting on Martin McDonough's newest film, which we're all very excited about, I'm sure. It's called The Banshees of Inishborough or Inishfree or Inishirin, which also stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, which oh. I am very, very excited for. Yeah, let's get them back in the McDonough yeah. film. Yeah. Should I bet be... they've been missing each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for that. Yeah. I wonder when that's going to be out. Yeah. Calling it. It's my favorite movie that year. Yeah, probably. Just calling it. <laughs> calling it, it'll suck. <laughs> I mean, if you want to be a pessimist, I like liking things. But it'll be fine. That's what you say until fine. you don't like something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm a human being. What do you want from me? <laughs> okay, so we're going into now uh, some star ratings, some first impressions. Uh, Mike, would you like to tell us your first impressions of this film? And then I need you to, after you carefully lay out your beautifully put thoughts. I want you to boil it down into a hard rating so people can just skip ahead and hear the stars. Yeah. Oh my gosh. First impressions. I thought I was on the edge of my seat for this whole movie. I thought it was incredible. I had no idea what was going to happen next. It felt like anything could happen next, which I, I love being in that kind of position. I mean, anything sort of within the realm of insanity, I guess, as long as there weren't cars driving <laughs> around. Like, like there probably weren't going to be cars, but like maybe there would be giants who were naked. Yeah. Like, I felt like that was a possibility. Dinos were possible. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yes. Yeah. It kind of felt like watching a Terrence Malick movie um, in some ways, except something that was a lot more ominous um, and a lot more, had much more plot. Lots, um, more plot. <laughs> lots, lots more plot. There were moments where I was like, are you kidding me? Like, but it, it, it's kind of amazing because I felt like David Lowry did some things where it was like, if anyone else had done it in a different, a little bit of a different way, I would have been like, this is bullshit. Like this is, this is over the top, but he does a fantastic job of tying it all back in and then putting in just like an, some incredible lines. Like he, he's an incredible writer and and just very powerful and very moving about Gawain's journey or Garwin's journey or whoever the hell he is. um, That, that really resonated as a son. So I'd say star rating uh, with that very general opinion. I'd say four. I'm going to go with four. Four stars for sure. I could be convinced to get up to five. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'm a little out on it, but I could be convinced of perfection. Maybe maybe we'll get there. We'll see. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you had that experience. I saw this like almost a month ago with a friend of the pod, Anthony Letney, in theaters. This is the second movie I've seen in theaters in, in COVID times. So it was a big deal. Nice. And uh, I loved it initially. And then I, I don't think there's any good way to say this. I've never been so bored in the movie theater in my life watching this movie. 
I was actually staring off looking at other random things in the theater at times. There are scenes that just drag on for way too long. This movie is way longer than it has any right to be. To the point where at the end, there's an ending thing. And there's a thing that happens. And then I turn to Anthony Letney. And I just said, oh, f*** that. Because I was just so ready for this to be over. I was like, when is this going to be done? But as soon as it was done, like we went out and started talking about it. And then I realized I had like lots of thoughts and feelings. And by the way, Anthony Letney, he, he hated it way more than I did. So I started defending it to him. <laughs> then like ended with us like leveling off from both of us realizing that the movie wasn't actually terrible. But in essence, I think the movie could have been way, way shorter. There were things that, that were far too drawn out and didn't have to be there. And I, and I wasn't really enjoying it. It felt like there was... Somebody who spent way too much time with this movie and had no idea what was happening and just said, I have all these thoughts and I want them all to be here. And they're not really necessary to make the story move along or to get this these ideas to move along. But they're all there for an extended period of time. But I enjoyed thinking and talking about the movie afterwards. So I actually kind of liked the movie. And for me, that's an easy three and a half star rating, which means I liked it but I have some, some heavy caveats when recommending it to anybody. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I love this. I, I went to the theaters, also my second film, seeing it. Uh, I went with a good friend of mine who I love seeing these weird movies with. I went to go see that Don Quixote movie that Terry Gilliam made with Adam Driver. And uh, what's his name? Jonathan Price came out a couple years ago. We just go see these. Do you not know about this? I don't know about this. No. Man, I think it was The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Oh, put that on the list no you don't <laughs> but, <laughs> but i i go see these sorts of movies with him because we like talking about these things and we also go see stuff like blade runner 2049 uh but i went with him and i was like this is this is necessary me and me and my friends viewing and we walked out he was very much not as about it as i was but he still enjoyed the experience but i this is like a four and a half stars for me i was not bored by by this i think there might be an impression that Vito just likes action movies and stuff that's really not true because i I have a lot of patience for long things. I just need there to be stuff happening. I need to feel invested in what's going on. And I felt very invested with this. Even though it's very long, maybe overlong, I might grant you that, Jesse, there's always a plot occurring. There's never a Terrence Malick bullshit where yeah. we're looking at some Ospreys. There's never that. There's always stuff happening for the story, even if it's kind of incomprehensible. It, for instance, the uh, that one scene with the tall people. But other scenes, like I'm always, I'm always here because there's always something happening. It's just happening at a very slow pace. Uh, we're never going off and doing nothing, which I really appreciate. I like story-driven movies where there's a story happening. There's actions. There's occurring uh, at whatever speed they do. And I, I really felt swept away. I felt very transfixed by this. And the final uh, 15 minutes uh, are, are incredible to me. David Larry has this ability. He did the same thing with a ghost story where he can sum up a very long period of time, very, very well. And he can give you the beats. He can make you feel something in a dialogue-less scene almost and just giving you music and images. And it, I thought it was fantastic. I really loved it. Uh, I, For my money, this is one of the best movies that have come out so far this year, which is high praise, except when you consider the year so far. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, are you sure Army of the Dead? Yeah, exactly. Like, or Mortal Kombat? Little things. Like no, no, no. <laughs> No, it's up there, though. This is one of the more impressive things I've seen. And I'm, I've seen it twice. I saw it uh, once in theaters and then once with my wife a few nights ago. And each time I was really just into it. 
Like it does feel slow. It feels languid. But when you bury yourself in the visuals of the movie, when you really sink in and are studying the details, I think it's very rewarding. And I got, I got a ton out of it. I actually look forward to seeing it again. So that's me. Four and a half stars, baby. This is, this is one of the better ones this year for me. It's awesome. So we've got four and a half, four and three and a half. (laughs) Yeah. We're all within a star and a half. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So the average is four. Yes. Yeah. So does that, does that mean Mike's right? I'm right. (laughs) It means that that as usual, Mike is the safe bet. (laughs) Can't go, can't go too wrong with me guys. (laughs) That's right. Won't be great. Won't be bad. It's fine. Uh, but anyway, for from all of us, that that's just kind of our first thoughts and impressions. We yeah. try to give nothing away. I know it, this is a hard movie to give first impressions about because as soon as I start talking about it, I'm like, I, I want to go into everything with this movie. Everything's so like tied together. It's so much about everything. Everything is about itself. I guess I don't know. Yeah, but we don't we don't want to go into spoilers. We don't want to do spoilers yet. We want to yeah. just talk a little bit about it, like encourage you. I think so. Do we want to encourage people to see this? I, for my money, yeah, 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 I do. With yeah. with the caveat that, like, if you are not the person who really likes those sort of artsy movies, I'm not sure if you're going to like this movie. But I think it's got enough to say that it's worth your time. Don't go in expecting a fight. There's no fighting. There's no war. There's there's nothing particularly exciting. Yeah. Really not. This is a drama. This is not anything except a drama. There there's mm-hmm. there's nothing here that will engage you beyond just the story and the performances. Yeah. And if you're okay with that, if if you're out there expecting like, oh, we're gonna get some gnarly action with him versus the green knight. That's no, not, there's none of that, dude. Yeah. Don't expect that. If if Sorry. you're excited by like characters coming up against walls and wondering what sort of choice they're going to make, then that might be exciting to you in this movie. But yeah, no no crazy Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings action scenes or something like that in here. Yeah. I, I will say there are some adult themes. And, well, yeah, I mean, it's and, rated R. Yeah, it's rated, it's rated it's R. It's rated R. R. For a reason. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think we have to we have to warn that there's stuff. I mean, there. there's there's reason, you know. It's, it's rated R. Things. It's rated R. Your adults figure it out. Yeah. Going back this way, Mike, when slash if would you ever show this to your kids? I don't know. I don't know if I'd show this to my kids. This is a weird movie, man. I like it. Kind of has to sit with me for a while before I can say that I will. Right now, I don't think I would. Um, I might. I might change that. Uh, on future viewing, like I'm def, I'm definitely gonna watch this again. I feel like it's it's a very, I mean, it's at the very least a beautiful movie to watch. But I just, I, I don't feel compelled to make them see it or to have them see it. What about you, Jesse? I would love to show it to them if, like, I don't know, if in high school somebody, their English teacher or whatever, makes them read. Sort of Gawaini Wayne and the Green Knight, then I will show them this movie. I think that'll be a cool. I I think knowledge of both the the story and the movie kind of build on each other to give you a, an even clearer picture of of the core concepts. So I'd love to show show it to them for that reason. I think that'd be a neat experience to show it to them because I, I think I think you're right. It would be like. I don't know in what context I would show it to them in a in a personal way, 
like, oh yeah, I really like this movie, kids. <laughs> you should you should see this. But more as like an intellectual one. More as like, a, let's study this thing, these concepts, these ideas together. And if it was done in like a, a school setting, I would love to. And if it was done in corroboration with what they were studying at the time, I think that'd be that'd be really neat. And that'd probably be like high school, I think. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like medieval history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not sold in either, either way. Um, there's a lot in here that for adults isn't, I don't, at least for myself, didn't phase me in terms of watching the movie. It's aside from some early nudity in the brothel, which is not actually really very much in focus. It's, I don't know. It's fairly tame. It's just the implication of things that are happening. But honestly, looking at it from a teenager's point of view, I think it might be a little extreme. Some of the ideas that are set forth, specifically like some of the implications of sex in this movie could be a little hard if you're not an adult. Um, I'd have a hard time sort of explaining the machinations of that to my kid and how that would work and what it means and the symbolism of that. And so for that reason, I would say I probably am not going to, but this is something I'd love to talk with them about as they get older. But I just don't want to, I don't want to explain the process of hand jobs. Like (laughs) I just don't want to do that. And 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 if they do understand like the, the themes of this movie too, like what it's kind of saying about about sexuality, about about relationships, and about like the relationship with the uh, mother and son and fo- like all of it, I feel like it's just going to foster anger. Um, yeah, good. I, I feel like you kind of have to have grown through that in order to understand it. You got to look back with, at with it. kindness, looking yeah. at your own life through the lens or something. I guess uh, I guess that's why I think I'm agreeing with you guys. I guess that's why yeah. I'm saying with with an intellectual standpoint and not at all like, um, yeah, I will not show this to them in the same way. I'm going to show the Godfather to them, which is like, you must see this This is important for me. This is important for you. This is more of like a, we can study this together. We can talk about this afterwards. And there's no other way to really see this movie. I don't want you to see this movie. Otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) And that, that's where we differs. I would definitely love my kids to see this, but I just want, I, I want them to see it and for us to talk together as adults about it. I don't want to have to explain some of the things that occur. I would like to discuss them with both of us having full knowledge of what it was that we just saw. Well, I don't think you need to explain the nitty gritties of a hand job. The, the scene is kind of confusing otherwise, because, I mean, we have to get into it in spoilers, but in, unless you kind of are understanding that the dynamic at play and what's occurring off screen, then the consequences of that and the way his attitude changes towards that object are going to be hard to understand. Personally, I didn't even see it as a hand job, and I, I think we have the same understanding of it, so I, I don't think so. It doesn't actually matter if it's a hand job or if it's sex. The ge- the geometry, look, I just saw this a couple <laughs> nights ago. It's not <laughs> sex, it's a hand job. Accept it. It doesn't work. The way that she's positioned doesn't make sense. And it's I, worse if it's a hand job. It has to be masturbatory and pointless because it's a dirty and, rag. And, and, ladies and, and gentlemen, Vito advocates for hand jobs. The hand job is in this movie. Okay, so we have, we've all said this. We've all given our star ratings or first impressions. So if you haven't seen The Green Knight, I, I hope that we've helped you make up your mind. Yeah. Um, we are all already divided amongst ourselves. This but great. Uh, there's going to be spoilers coming up. So if you want to stick around for that, please do. And otherwise, uh, we'll see you after you watch the movie. I'm so excited for all the arguing we're going to do. Guys, this is this is <sighs> Apparently, great. we're going to argue a lot. Apparently, we're going to argue about symbols. I love this shit. All right. But let's move on to some likes and dislikes for this movie. 
like let's grab the bull by its horns and say, what do you guys think of the ending? So, the so full, we're, we're going full into spoilers. Here. We already said it. We already yeah, said it. I just, I'm just, yeah. gonna, I'm just going to say it again. Like we are going full in and uh, please, if you haven't seen it, don't continue. We're kidding. It's, we're actually going to be spoiler free for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <Keep listening. laughs> so, so the ending of this movie is, um, I guess it's the last, I think the last 20 minutes. So there's that when okay. he comes to the green Knight and he just kneels before him, right? he's just like sitting there before him for like a full night and then huh, for a full night. And then, the Green Knight comes down and he swings his axe a couple times. And then Sir Garwin, he runs away, gets on his horse. Uh, he goes, has has sex with his girlfriend. She has a baby. He becomes king. He rips the baby from her womb and has a son. And then, like, there's war and it's terrible. And then he's, like, everything is just awful in his life. And he's clearly a very bad dude. And then takes off the the green sash that has protected him through everything, and his head falls off. Then it cuts, and it turns out that was all like a weird hallucination, and he's back with the green knight, and he takes off the green sash, and then the green knight says, And now, my brave knight, off with your head. And then he swings, you see nothing, and then there's just a stump. He does not he doesn't swing. swing. He does not swing. He he puts his, his he finger swing. like behind no. his neck. Oh, that's it. right. He does, yeah. He, does, he, 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 he says, like, like, very good, my brave smiles. knight. Very good. Now off with your head. Yeah. Yes. And then and then and it, cuts it cuts from his face to the words the Green Knight and then the green enveloping the stump. Okay. So Jesse, I feel like you're more primed for this. I've so, read I've read so many things that the director has intended or what he did or what he thought about that, because that that was crazy. First off, I love the ending. I think the ascending is really awesome. good. Okay. I think the ascending is what makes the movie for me. Well, hang on, hang on. Here, here, here's where, like, Jesse and I, we were slacking about this. Okay. We both thought we were saying the same things because we both thought the ending was the same. But you think it's different? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, After no, we, you, sir. we were both talking about the original story. And the weird thing in the original story is that Sir Gwain is an upstanding knight in the story. In the movie, he's, he's like not the even... Best. Yeah. yeah. In the story, he's the literal best. Yeah. In the movie, he's the literal worst. He's not even knight. He right? sucks. He's like, yeah. he sucks. The opening starts out with us a, a barn on fire, and he is in a whorehouse instead. And then that night, he goes to, to King Arthur and has no epic stories to tell because he's clearly like just sleeping around instead of doing things like putting out village fires. So like yeah. he just he just seems like the worst guy. He's always like maybe doing a good thing anyway you know, i think i'll say that. yeah he, or, he's a drunk he's allowed he's uh he's yeah. a whoremonger he's yeah. everything i don't really want to be yeah he's, he's afraid of commitment yeah but he's but he's hungry for something more he's hungry for something better anyway so the uh, so this ending is like you know so the contrast between the book and the movie in the book he goes he's the best and he he makes one little mistake and gets a nick in his neck. So my thought was, oh, clearly this guy's a f- up. So he's just going to get his head chopped off, even if he's done a few good things, which is like the opposite of the Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. And it really made me think that like, you know, maybe maybe the book and the movie, like the only thing that's really consistent since Sir Gawain is so different is the Green Knight is consistent. The Green Knight will dole punishment accordingly. The Green Knight is the guy who will... He's... He's judgment coming to you. He's your corruption mm. 
honestly, that thought was so haunting to me that that's what kind of made me like the movie and maybe like give it a far more serious look. So, so at the end, do you think, I, I mean, like I want to ask at the end, is he dead or is he alive? Like, does he get his head chopped off or does he not? I, I mean, do, do I lean toward personally, I lean towards him getting his head chopped off, but it doesn't really matter. I don't think. Okay. Either way, he's going to die one day, but either way, he's going to die with far more honor than he died with before. But my ideas with, with the book and the movie being consistent with each other, I like to think that he died. But according to the director, by the way, the director said that he shot this. Uh, I can't remember if it was just written this way or shot this way, and he edited it down. But the, the head gets chopped off. Right. And he just said that was like too violent of an ending, and he can't leave it that way. So he cut it to not be that. Yeah, yeah, he was he was unhappy with his cut that we would have seen last year. That's what we would have seen last year. But because of the COVID pushing it a year out, he was able to re-edit it. And then he said he's far happier with this with this version. It's awesome. Yeah, I came down on the side that he didn't. And uh, honestly, for a direct opposite reading of the movie, the Green Knight does not stand for me as a, as a symbol of judgment or anything. The Green Knight's a fabrication from his mother. He's a spell. And I, I think that the movie, especially after seeing it a second time, the movie gives very clear trials and tribulations for this knight to to overcome very clear tests of honor chastity and chivalric virtue that he can consistently fails but it's clear that he doesn't possess a clear virtue anyway so to succeed at these he would have had to have been the sir gawain that we know in the story but he's not that he's actually just kind of a normal guy and we're saying a lot of things he's allowed he's a drunk he's a whoremonger but he's mostly just a normal person yeah. who reacts to things pretty normally and how i probably would if i were in these circumstances because I, i'm i'm encountering a ghost lady whose head has been cut off and she's like can Did you get you my kill head and rape me? yeah and he's like Are you no the one? And then I don't he, think so. She's like, she's like, dive in there and get my head. And honestly, I would also say, well, like, what's in it for me? Why would I dive in and get your head? And she's like, why would you ask me that? And I'm like, bitch, I don't know. Like, you want me to go <laughs> get your head? Like, this is very weird for me. Um, I almost died today. Yes. I might have died today. I, I got mugged. Know. I don't know. But um, so in the end, what I saw is that he ran away from everything. He slid through everything. He was lazy and half-assed about everything. And at the very end, he gets this this opportunity to do that again. And like even the fox says, you know, leave the sash. Are you the sort of man who can do this? I won't tell anyone. No one will know the wiser. And so when he sees in this vision, it's actually different. He doesn't remove the sash. The sash is actually part of him. He pulls it out like intestines. Yeah. The, the, the cowardice has taken such root inside of him. And when he pulls it off, he can't even exist anymore because it's been so foundational for him. He sees this for himself. And in the only true act of virtue in the movie, he chooses not that. He chooses not the easy way. He chooses not the selfish way. And for this way, this story rang true to me of a redemption story. He becomes a knight and gains honor. And he doesn't need the punishment anymore. He found his way through. and in, in Instead of there being damnation, there was mercy hmm. because it was all a test by his mom anyway, who just wanted him to be better. And is it so wrong to want greatness for you? Both King Arthur and his mother say, I don't see there. I don't see any evidence of there being punishment in the story. What I see is a character who is clawing for redemption, doesn't know how his biggest enemy is himself. And in the end, he does find it. And I think the line now, good night off with your head, which is delivered with a smirk and no swing does not indicate that he's getting his head cut off. That's what I think. 
that's stronger than I usually stated, but I had a very hard day at work today. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I come down more on the side of his head gets chopped off, but I also like, I don't think it really matters. Like, I don't, think, I don't think for his head to be chopped off, it's thematically resonant for the rest of the film. Well, either way, he's going to die. And I think the, the, the false ending kind of bears that out, right? He's, he's going he's gonna to die someday. The question is whether or not he's going to die virtuously or not. And either way, whether or not he, he gets his head chopped off or does not get his head chopped off, it's, it's the same kind of ending. I he don't think this nicely. movie works, though, if he, is, if he is beheaded by the Green Knight. Because the Green Knight is a spell that his mother's clearly shown making in the beginning. She wants greatness for her son. That's true. When I say that punishment is not a theme in this movie, it really isn't. There's no sense of people being punished for their wrong actions here. He gets away with so much stuff. Just just by circumstance. But by isn't, chance. Isn't there an example of people getting punished for their good actions? Um, Who's like punished for their good actions? Winifred is. She she seems to be a good person and she dies. Uh, I think that Alicia Vikander, she's she's a pretty good person. She's a whore. She's a prostitute, yeah. She, yeah, she's a, she's a I mean, there's like prostitute. three things that you can do as a woman in the Middle East. Right? That doesn't, that doesn't mean that she's necessarily a good person. But she is a pretty, like, she's like, hey, I want to, like, love you and I want to be with You're you. You're a member right? of the court. Could you make me your lady so I don't have to be a prostitute? Right. I'm just saying, like, there seem to be good people who don't have good things happen to them. And it seems like, I guess what I'm saying is that I don't see how it would be unthematically consistent. I think it's more thematically consistent yeah. that he doesn't die. Actually, that's yeah, what I think. it's, it's, more it's the, the giants. Die. So the giants really seem to be like, I don't know, like the, the people, the women, which apparently uh, it, it seems like Sir Gawain really doesn't treat well in his life maybe his mom and his girlfriend i don't know others but they're they all happen to also be also I, i'm very sorry not his girlfriend she's a prostitute he's paying her. right yeah he said she says you can have all the gold she says i already have all your gold he, he's he's paying her for this yeah they don't they have a relationship but it, it's, it's clear he pays her for yeah. it. yeah okay yeah yeah so some relationship in which they're romantically linked sexually linked because, I, because I, he, I he like, says he says I know nothing of love. He 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 refuses her love. He refuses yeah. to tell her he loves her. Yeah, right. He closes himself off completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I I'm sorry. That just but seems it, really it does seem it does seem like they have a friendship of some sort, a familiarity, along, along with the fact that like yeah. he's she's his whore, like she's his only prostitute. I don't know. Yeah. Like, to me, it, it seemed like there was something being said by the movie. I, yeah, I could be wrong. In fact, the entire false ending of him ripping the child from her, like that doesn't have nearly as much impact if they're not romantically linked. Her expectation, she's in love with him. He's not in love with her. Yeah. Right? He pays her the 30 pieces of silver. I don't right? think he's he in love it with on the anything, bed. really. I don't think he's that kind of guy who would never fall in love. I don't see it. I, I, well, sure, I agree. I, I mean, I think this goes down to sort of the heart of the story, which is that he doesn't, throughout the whole story until the very end, He's refusing to commit to serious actions and to deep, deep action, refusing to commit to love, refusing to commit to, I don't know, like, so he's the heir to the throne. He's the only male that's related to Arthur. He's refusing to, to really live up to that. So why, why would his mother kill him? Well, so I don't, I, I think, but she's with him. The entire way along the journey. Yeah, she's the right? fox. She's, she's, she's the, fox. the blindfolded woman. She's a blindfolded woman, yeah. and maybe in some ways she's even um, the the girl in the castle. It's possible. 
she tells him to turn back every time. She gives him the sash to protect him from from the blow, and she is. But she, but she literally sets up the the thing that he needs to overcome. She right. gives him all the tools to deal with it and to come out with greatness. Right. And well, the great thing to do would be to face the Green Knight with no guard. She literally makes this test for him. It doesn't make sense that she would summon the Green Knight, who we're not given any idea if he exists without her. So yeah. I'm assuming she creates him because I have no reason to believe otherwise. Yeah, she except yeah. for things that the fox, which I think is her, tells him. Yeah. So I think that most of the things that she says are lies. She's Morgan Le Fay, right? She she runs a yeah. coven against the Catholicism of the nation. Right. Then she gives him the sash, the thing he needs to overcome, his crippling weakness. He is weak the whole time he wears the sash. And it, his weakness is tied intrinsically to the sash. The the lady beats him off onto the sash. Right? right? And it's a dirty rag, and it's only when he removes it that he gains honor. And I think that was the whole plan all along. For him to remove the sash. Yes. Okay, so that that yeah. I did read differently from you. I thought that the idea was that she set up this this um this plan so that he could go there, get, you know, his head cut off or not cut off by the Green Knight when he, the Green Knight repays him the blow because he's wearing the sash, right? Like, so he's protected from death. And if he were to do that, it would be the same as if he ran away. And so if that's the case, then his life continues forward uh, without honor. And that's what we see in those 15 minutes. But they literally say, King Arthur and she says, is it too much to want greatness for you? Which I don't think that line and from those two characters who are brother and sister does not bear out with that interpretation. of the I don't think Arthur knows about what's going on with Morgan Le Fay. I think that Arthur knows exactly what's happening. I don't think he knows that this is a test from her, but he built his empire. If we're going with the historical things, he built this empire with her. She's, she's, she's a magician, you know, she's magic, just like Merlin. She's his sister. I mean, in in the Arthurian (laughs) legends, they're pitted against each other as often as Mm -hmm. they're, if not more often than they're. Like the arch nemeses. Yeah. Yeah. But, but why then it would be behoove, her to get her offspring on his throne right yeah yeah i agree and why wouldn't she want honor and greatness for him when she says it but she tells him to turn back she says you've done enough for everyone to think that you've done it already but i don't believe her why would i believe her she lies all the time uh through all these characters that she's in i i mean i i do um she gives him plenty of opportunity to to run away to survive through it all um, until he gets to the place where no one's going to like, like no one's going to realize that he didn't go to and do the final deed. Okay, but it matters that he now, now I'm so confused. So what, so like Morgan Le Fay, the mom is evil. She wants her kid on the throne. So really she, she's trying to, she just want to, wants to f- over King Arthur and put her son on the throne. Mm, to, no, no, her evil no. Thing. I'm not, really no. following that I, I think what it is is why that, would she like, not want that so her son Gawain is uh, like he's not respected by the knights of the round table who will kill him when Arthur dies he's and takes the not throne because he's not a knight like he he is owed the throne but he will be overthrown <laughs> as soon as Arthur dies right and so uh, the way I mean this this is this is me putting my own like my own thoughts and stuff into it. It's extra textual for sure. So my thought was that what she was doing here, she gives him this, like he says, I have no, I have no stories. She gives him a great story. One where he'll come out appearing like, you know, the purest knight 
to have ever lived because he survived the Green Knight when in fact, you know, the legend will have been a lie. And, you know, the, the woman at the, I can't remember her name. Essel or Winifred. Essel at the, the weird woman at the weird palace. Mm -hmm. Like she seems to me like an avatar of Morgan Le Fay. None of these people are named by the way, uh, which is, I think is cool. I I have uh, have a hard time with that part because I think that Morgan Le Fay is already present in the fact that there's an old woman there with her eyes bound exactly the same way that Morgan Le Fay had her eyes bound at the beginning of the movie. I think that this Essel is a construct just like the Lord. I think I think it, this is another part of her spell. This is another part of her testing herself. Yeah, yeah, sure. Really? But I, mean, it, I, I guess she's she there take, like in, remember in her at actions. The, at the beginning, she takes over, who is it, King Arthur? Or is it the... Lady Guinevere. So she's but, also able to take over people. And that's also what happens in the book. They're taken over like... Uh, Joel Edgerton's character in in the book is also the Green Knight, and he's like right. he just has a spell cast around him, and he's taken over by Morgan Le Fay to do all that stuff and to nick Sir Gawain in the in the neck. And the o- the only reason I would disagree with that, like I I think that she did summon. I think they. I don't think this is Essel, but I think she did summon these. These are spells of some kind. But I don't think it's the same way. I don't think she's acting directly through them because when we see Lady Guinevere in the beginning and when Morgan Le Fay speaks through her, it's very different than what we see. So just using the rules of the movie, it doesn't. it's not the same thing. And the movie hasn't explained to me why why it would be different. So I'm assuming it's not that. You know what I mean? Like she, she speaks also speak- in that otherworldly voice and then, and then it goes away. Does she not speak through King Arthur as well? No, she does not. She says what he says at the same time, both before and after. Yes, yeah. is what it shows. I, I thought the, I interpreted one of that voice was the voice yeah. of the of the Green Knight because it was the yeah. letter that the Green Knight gave to her. And I'm saying she's, but Morgan Le Fay is the Green Knight. And then I well, interpreted the the Morgan Le Fay saying the same thing at the same time as King Arthur as her manipulating what he was saying. And I watched it again, and I think that is definitely a thing that you can interpret. It just it's too vague for me to take it as absolute. It's, it's, I'm not, it's not, I'm not sure why it's in there otherwise. Because I think that we're showing that she is seeing the same things that they're seeing and King Arthur's the only one speaking, so maybe she's just mouthing the words. That to me could also be the fact because we now we know that she can see other places. Right. But it seems weird that she'd be able to control King Arthur in this way and then she'd have to like test her son. Well, why couldn't she just control King Arthur to, 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 to promote her son? You know what I so, mean? So I think what, what I would I say, I, I don't think I disagree with you. Other than to say, I think there's a, a purposeful ambiguity about it, which is supposed to make you say, I don't know if she's the one who's doing it or not. Like, I, I think that the cuts, and, and you've seen it more often than I have, but I think that the cuts are ambiguous when it shows her speaking and Arthur speaking. I think it's definitely she's, you know, she is present in the castle through the blindfolded woman who is another, uh, who's another witch. And they seem to be able to communicate that way. And I and that sash that that is given back to Garwin is um, it's the same one, or at the very least, it's made to the same specs, which yeah. are given to her by Morgan Le Fay. So, like, by the way, the only thing I don't feel very strongly about in this movie is how he gets the axe and the sash back. That's like the only thing I don't really feel very strongly about. Because I think it's like ridiculous. How the hell <laughs> does he get the axe back? And where did the sash come from? Is it the yeah. same one? It makes me. It makes one. me think that maybe the witch probably made a new one because she's yeah. the, the blind. So it was probably. A new but at one. the same time, but they got the axe, axe back. 
Like, I feel I, very strongly about the thematic elements that build him through and the heroic test that he undergoes and his redemption. But that's yeah. the only thing I feel very strongly about. So I, I think, yeah. I, and I think I agree with you. I, I think I totally agree with you with like the process of his his character. But I think that those are actually important in understanding that ambiguity. Like there's someone else controlling things here. And whether it's Morgan Le Fay or whatever, it's not him. He is being sort of controlled or manipulated into doing things. Whether yeah. that's by his, you know, like uh, lack of, of action on his own part or like his mom is forcing him to do stuff or like he's controlled by his passions and his disrespect of, of women. Like there's a lot of things that he is not in control of. And the only yeah. action he really takes of his own free will is taking the sash off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and the whole story is built to that moment. And he yes. almost dies so many times on this journey. Like the like it seems like he could have died in the lake, although he didn't. And he also could have died by the robbers taking him. Then he almost starves and decides to eat mushrooms, which is the dumbest <laughs> thing any human being can ever do. You, you also do not, not enough of them. Not enough of them. He eats yeah, like two. and immediately pukes like, duh, dude, you could have just died, my dude. Why did you do that? And then freaking giants almost like they almost like flick him or whatever. Like he just almost dies by accident almost like so many times on this journey so like him dying that's to say him dying at the end like wouldn't have surprised me it just seems like one more thing on the journey it would surprise me even more considering that he got out of it so often that just seems inconsistent again like why would you why would you be so lucky the whole fucking movie because this is the end then what's the point of the movie well so i i I, die by accident i i think there is a closing to my point which is that his mom is protecting him from certain death or yeah, I think it's his mom protecting him from certain death all throughout the movie. And she, she gives him many ways to avoid encountering the green Knight as naked without protection, without her protection. And uh, I do think that he, the green Knight, is capable of killing Sir Gowan. I don't know if he does. I don't know if it matters, but the point is that he has to remove that protection. And he could very well be dead now at the end because, well, I, because I, I wonder, it's, I wonder if the, the, it's the honorable thing. I like, wonder if you're, we're not going to make any more headway. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I just wanted to close my point there. Close okay. my point. Yeah. Does my point make sense? Do you see how it's a full I, point? I, I, I hear, I hear that you have a point and you, you have things to back it up. I, I just, I, I was haunted by the movie because I, I thought he died. And frankly, if, him not dying, I actually really dislike the movie now. Like, I love the idea of like this average man kind of having and it not being okay at the end, and him having to having to die for it, and that was really haunting to me, almost life changing. So to think about it not being that way, I kind of want to drop my rating quite a bit. That's not it's not compelling to me at all. So. Where are we all at with the ending at this point? So I think you both liked it, but for different reasons. Well, I I don't know. Jesse, I don't know if you like it now, but I'll say I I really I think I really like it. And and actually, this this argument has made me like the whole movie more. This is part of why I love movies and I love talking about movies with you guys. It's because sometimes we come down with very different and very strong opinions. and it helps me to understand my own thoughts better and to make them grow. It's incredible. And, and the fact that this movie 
uh, this weird ass like artsy movie has made us all be very strongly opinionated about the ending and about how different different interpretations of the ending can make us all feel differently strongly differently is is really really cool to me that's what i look for in art like i look for something that's going to strike me and polarize me and make me unsure of the ground i stand on so yeah i love i love the ending i think it's fantastic i will say i do think that the moment that we go into like him looking forward into his life if he doesn't take off the sash that was beautiful and well done but like the time of the movie, like the amount of time the movie should have been going should have been over by then. That should have come 20 minutes earlier. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know what like should have been cut to do that or what could have been cut to do that. But it, it was kind of like, oh, we're seeing him in the future. This would have been cool 20 minutes ago. <laughs> That's kind of that, how I felt. Oh, dude. Yeah, that that expresses my thoughts about it about that part like i was not in i'm into that part now way after the fact way after like going over the movie and going over it in my mind but at the time the moment that scene ended i just turned to let he was just like why the (laughs) is this still going um yeah that is the moment where i was like yeah this i think this would have been great 20 minutes ago then it would have been actually great yeah i have some ideas about what i would have like cut but we can talk about that in a little bit but yeah, I'm so we I'm, all like the ending. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I, I think that reading it from, you know, you're kind of in the middle between Jesse and myself. Um, reading it Jesse's way for me makes me like the movie a lot less. And reading it my way makes Jesse like the movie a lot less, uh, which is very interesting. And I think that what we're just going to have to come down on in the end is that we all saw the same thing and we all thought different things about it. Yeah. I don't think it's too long. I think it's not paced as well as it could be. Yeah, um, I think it should have been faster. It seems like the pace never varies, which is which is annoying to me because movies will pick up and drop off as you need them as you need to pay attention. They'll give you a chance to breathe, and this movie only breathes. And this movie is like a constant inhale exhale of a sleeping person. Mm. It never changes in any way. It never speeds up, and it never slows down. It just plods, uh, which is a big which is a big problem for me. But when I got to that that part in the movie, that's the it's the climax of the movie. And yeah. I, I really felt the climactic nature of it. I thought that was, I thought it was beautiful. I was wrapped. Yeah. Um, I was incredibly engaged and I don't know what I would have cut watching yeah. it the second time. I was looking out for things that I, I thought were extraneous. And with the exception of one scene, which is not very long, I don't, I, I can't think of something I would cut. I would just make it just go a little faster. I don't, we don't need but every frame to last time, so long. At the same time though, like, like the, the scene where he's riding, plodding along on the horse and it lasts forever. Yeah. When he's riding away from Camelot, like, and the kids are chasing him. That's a really long scene. It's very impactful. We though. are very much breathing. It's awesome. Don't cut that down. It's incredible. That's how I feel about all of it. But like some of the walking, you know, did we need to pick up with him walking that long? Instead of walking <laughs> yeah. seven seconds, could he have walked four? Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, just something to give the movie a sense of purpose. Yeah. A sense of going somewhere instead of instead of just the the endless walking pace yeah. is is what I would say. Actually, there were two scenes in particular that made me maybe wanted to be a little bit shorter. Like there's that scene, and this is a good scene. It just goes on for a little too long. It's when he's in the forest and he's been like hand tied by the by the robbers, and then does like this three sixty pan throughout the forest. Yeah, it takes a really long time. 
start with him, then it goes. Actually, I think it does a seven twenty because it starts with him, goes back to him, and he's a skeleton, and then turns around again, and he's alive, right? Yeah. Um, and that <laughs> it felt like that lasted a really long time. I don't know how long <laughs> it actually lasted, but that <laughs> that didn't seem like I don't know. That was one of those moments where I'm like, ah, man, this this could have been a whole lot shorter, and it would have gotten the same point. And, and I think that the reason, so the reason I agree that should have been faster because it is like a solid 30 seconds and we could have done a quick cut and you could have done that in one second. Um, but he is set up that he shows the passage of time because of the puppet show, right? He set up that the passage of time moves in circles. Yeah. And so every time he shows the passage of time, he has to show it in a circle because he introduced it and he's going to stick to his guns. And I appreciate that he's sticking to his guns, but also you don't need to do that because in the trailer, if you remember in the trailer, they do the quick cut. It works really well there. And yeah. by the way, quick flash. That that's the second scene that I thought went on for far too long was the puppet scene where you just see the circles over and over and over again. It's like I get it. There are puppets. His name is spread throughout the land. Like I'm not sure why we need to keep going back to these damn puppets and the head getting chopped out. It just, it's just a, it's yeah. just a passage of time. He's just trying to show you the year, you know. I I get it. I feel like I, I got that the first time the puppets came up. I, I had a a little bit of a further thought with it. I, it seemed to me like he was trying to say something about like this uh, this myth or this legend or whatever, and how it's a story that's been told and retold time and time again over the ages, and like it's always ending up the same way. But maybe there's an opportunity. Like, I thought that this was going to have time travel in it or something. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, five stars if it had. Yeah. <laughs> I Securely until like an hour 45 in, like until like the end scene starts playing. I'm like, we're going to go back and do this whole thing again, aren't we? We're going to start from the beginning and do it again. And then he didn't do it. It again. was all a dream. It was all a dream. <laughs> and it was going to be like about the nature of myth and legend. I think there was, I think that that was sort of his nod to that idea. There's, there's like the barest bit. Cause especially remember when he beats up the guy in the tavern, the guy says you cut off his, his head with the ax. Yeah. No one's the only person that he corrects on that is Essel. Yeah. That's the only person he tells, no, I cut his head off with the King's sword, but everyone else it's the ax in the, in the puppet show, it's the ax. So it's like, he's, he's like, He's, I was looking for that too. He's like brushing about talking about myth, but he doesn't engage with it really, which is yeah. weird because he like starts the conversation and then doesn't continue. Well, the whole movie yeah. is that conversation with myth, right? Like, because, because this is, I mean, we've talked about it before. This is a standing on its head of, of the, of the classic story, the classic character. Like this, this guy is supposed to be, you know, the purest knight and he's not, he's a normal yeah. dude. And in the, um, in the story, he does cut his head off with the ax. Oh, um, right. And also there's another nod to that later in the the giant like mansion when she gives him a book. The la- I can't remember what her name is, but the lady gives him a book. And yeah. it really struck me that that was, I thought that was supposed to be like Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Uh, so I'm, I'm confused by that scene because she gives him the book. It's a weirdly shaped book. It looks like a D, like a capital D. It's got weird coloring. And that's the first gift, but he doesn't give that to the lord but that's the first one and then i was confused well what's the point of the book because they never talk about the book you never see what's in the book she takes his camera obscura portrait which haunts him later in his mansion i mean Mm -hmm. in his kingdom right but are we supposed to get from the image because the camera obscura is, is upside down are we supposed to get that he's looking at the book 
it's like it's like through a mirror darkly that we're viewing this is is that a commentary on the movie itself yeah 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 the camera obscura is is the movie itself no no the 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 picture of him because it's it's a black picture right and it's upside upside down down. and he's looking at the book and he looks up right is that is that supposed to be like the commentary on the myth legend all of that all in one image and then when that's the portrait that hangs in his kingdom which is right side up now is that supposed to be he's adjusted the legend yeah yeah, I think that, and she makes a point too. Like she says something like she seeks legend. She she seeks stories and yeah. writes them down and, and makes them better. And makes them better, which is one yeah. the most full of yourself thing I've ever heard before. <laughs> that is, oh, that that kind of made me a little bit angry in the theater. It's just like ah, uh, David Lowry. Like you can make this story, but you're not going to make it better. Come on! I don't think that's him speaking through her. I mean, she's she's despicable. I, I think that's right, but that's how I first took it. And I, oh. yeah, it sounds like you were like prejudging this movie really hard. You know what? <laughs> no, I, 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 like I was really excited for this movie. It just seems like you're you're just like so you're like so negative, and like you're sitting at it, and you're like, well, 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 well. yeah. I, like I said, I did not. Enjoy, so like, when you're not enjoying something, you're gonna see everything wrong with it. And I start seeing everything wrong with it pretty quick. <laughs> But yeah, I, I like I, the I, idea that it's both things. Yeah, it's like it's like a Bo Burnham. He's uh, he's being both completely sincere and totally ironic at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's a little bit of it. Honestly, part of what I like about this movie is I I like the idea that you can take a story, you can take a book, and you can look at different things about it. Like when we did the Big Sleep episode. And, like, we kept on saying, like, oh, it wasn't, like, the book, though. And the book, this actually all makes sense. It's, like, the movie is just an inferior story to the book. And it's not, like, what we have going on right now. You have, like, two very different mediums tackling, I think, the same heart about what it is, like, to be to be a man, to be a virtuous person, and striving for that in some ways failing. And in, in one case, you have a very good one. In one case, you have a, a not-so-great guy. But I think you have the same same ideas being carried forth, so you can have both things in your life, and, and you need both. Like, sir, maybe Sir Gawain in this movie needs to read Sir Gawain in the book because he needs to understand what he can be in order to in order to start becoming that. And maybe we, the average people, need stories like that to start becoming men like that too. I like that. Just just as a final note on the the idea of the story as a whole, I think it's all tying together here. So I'm going to make this point here is I like that in the original story, Gawain keeps the sash and is punished. And in this story, and he's like a good guy the whole time, like the best of the best. And in this one, he's not great. And he doesn't keep the sash and he lives. That's what I think is really fun. But also that's a, that's a fun thing for me. Also, he keeps the sash as a punishment for himself, as a reminder, I f***ed up the rest of his life. In fact, a bunch of other knights in the courts, they all start wearing it too, to say like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess he f***ed up. And now that's almost like a badge of honor because like, it's a reminder to be better at all times. And in this one, it's a mark of shame that is discarded. Okay. So I guess just in, in, in wrapping up that before we get to the other stuff, we all liked it to varying degrees. Yeah. We all have different thoughts in the ending. And I was really happy to talk to you guys about this. Even if we, we did get a little shouty. We, we, we got it. We got into it. <laughs> what did you guys think about Dev Patel? Like or dislike? Oh, loved, him. loved him. Loved him. Yeah. Loved him. 
He was great. His eyes, his hair. Oh, I was so envious of his facial hair and his head hair. Yeah, the whole like when he when he goes when he comes back from the brothel on Christmas, right? And then he goes to his room and he washes up. It's a bowl of water and a brush. And he goes from being like hungover and drunk <laughs> to looking like freaking amazing. And yeah. I was like, I wish that when I went and washed my face with water before I went to work, that's what happened. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. He's such a good looking dude. I think my favorite scene with him is when like he's staring at King Arthur, who invites him to sit next to him, and he's like so hungry for it. You can see it, all of it in his eyes. Like the thirst, the wanting, the wanting to ditch whatever he's doing now to be a knight at this table. He wants to be able to to sit. He wants to be able to tell King Arthur's stories. And he has nothing. And you can see the struggle and him striving and the hunger. I uh I honestly I love every moment of Dev Patel in this in this movie. So you love most of this movie. I was gonna say you love like ninety five percent of this movie then. <laughs> I like him. Well, all right. So I can like an actor, I can like an actor's portrayal, but I did not like the character. Like I was oh. repulsed by the character. Hmm. Partly because like in a good way? Ultimately in the what? in a good way. <laughs> like, ultimately, like, yeah. Like yeah. Were you do you feel like you were supposed to be repulsed by him? Yeah, I felt like I saw so did it accomplish parts, what it was trying to do? Yes. I felt like I saw okay. parts of myself in him that I did not like. That I okay. don't want to be. That's what makes the movie haunting for me, is that I saw this guy and I recognized things that I do not like about him. And I I don't know, I want those parts of me to die. I I think maybe this actually is what it comes down to. This is a core philosophy. I I also recognize those parts of, of myself and his character, but I also know that that those parts of myself are not are not evil. They're they're completely misguided in their intention, and that they can be redeemed and brought together. Because I am not a, a being of disparate parts. I am not bad because my arm is bad, and my arm is not bad because I am bad. I I'm, I'm a circle, and there's parts of me that are out of balance in the circle, and the circle needs to be perfectly aligned for my person to be whole. And that's what I saw through the redemption of his character was that I saw his circle become whole, which is what I'm always striving to do. So when I saw those parts of him that I didn't like, I, I, I knew that they could be brought together into something. And I was just waiting for that to happen, I guess. Yeah. So when that's why I wanted to see it. It's, it's not so much death. I just want, I want the right order to be in place. And I don't think you're not, I don't think you're not saying that either. I think we're just, we're, we're, we're ships passing in the night. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I. Yeah, I. Yeah, I think I I agree with that part that um, that he's definitely whole at the end, and it's almost like I, it's almost like I want him to die because it's like if he dies now, then he's good. He can have a legacy. He can have something. Whereas like if he stays alive, he's gonna fuck it up. Please don't stay alive. You see what happens when you do. And you know maybe that's not right. Maybe he'll he'll go on to be a good king. I would hope so. I mean, I, I don't know. If if we wanted to bring up something truly extra textual, I think that um, if you look at history, or, or uh, and I think that like really passionate people uh, will sin grievously in their passions, and then it comes forward once the 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 meaning, the intention has been realigned away from themselves towards something else. And I think for for Dev mm-hmm. for in Dev Patel's performance, I think that he's clearly showing he's pushing it towards honor. Like yeah. like Joel Egger, no one makes fun of him, right? 
he like makes fun of him he's like oh so you know you, you want honor and then you're done like <laughs> you're not very good at the questions <laughs> so, <he doesn't laughs> that even, so great he doesn't even know you're what he wants very good yeah. are you asking me yeah <laughs> are you asking me? honor are you asking me <laughs> so you do this one thing no, honor <laughs> you do this one good thing and then and then you're good forever right and he's like, well, I, I guess I haven't really thought about it. It's like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but Dev Patel, fantastic. Yeah, he 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 did a fantastic job. Um, also, King Arthur's aching tooth. What you guys? Yeah. Did you guys have something to say about this? Because I thought that was just that he. It was just another way of showing that he was falling apart. Is is there more to that? I mean, I, I'm honestly asking. I I feel like I read something yeah. on the internet. That was like very insightful, but I, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. To me, it's an example of another thing I didn't really like about the movie. It's like when there are lines like that, it's like, I, I don't know. There's a bunch of little things that stack up that are like that, that I don't think needed to really be in here. I could have, I could have gone on without oh. King Arthur's. Oh, as a piece of characterization, though, I really loved it, though, yeah. because I love I've never seen old man King Arthur falling apart. I've never seen that. I loved seeing that here. I loved seeing how he wanted to rise to the Knight's Challenge, but, you know, his will wanted to, but his body could not follow. I loved seeing him old and decrepit. And as the movie goes, he's like worse and worse. And he's got kind of a belly, you know, in a couple scenes. And the way like he can't hold his sword Excalibur. Yep. Like that was really powerful. That, yeah. that was very disturbing to me. Yeah. Um, because King Arthur, he's he's King Arthur. He's the guy who pulls the sword out of its out of the stone, not the guy who can't put it back. Yeah, yeah. I did like that part. I I do like old man King Arthur, and also he just seems to be such a he seemed to be such a genuinely good dude. Like I really liked King Arthur in this movie. I will say that I like the King Arthur. <laughs> in this movie. What's the line he says? Tell me a tale of thee that I might know thy. Tell me a tale of thyself that I might know thee. And I was like, that's. That's amazing. Like, that you is... just sound like the best old man. <laughs> I want to say that to everyone yeah. when I first meet them. Like, tell me a tale of thyself. <laughs> that I might know thee. And that was this really sweet meeting spot between like how I've always envisioned King Arthur and King Arthur in the gritty real world, like all combined to be on screen. I thought that was beautifully done. Okay, so King Arthur's aching tooth. Uh likes, dislikes. I liked. Jesse didn't like. Mike liked. I liked it, yeah. Yeah. Um, the it Giants. Felt, oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, it felt like, so this movie just sort of, it kind of felt like a video game a little bit, like like Fallout New Vegas type hmm. video game, like a bunch of weird shit in it, like random stuff to make you uh, feel like you're inside of a real world. And that felt like that. Yeah. You know, something, something out of a video game, like some or weird a ass Skyrim, A Skyrim yeah. side character. Yeah. Like you're going to watch a guy walk by with an arrow in his knee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So it worked. I was, I was, in, I was down for it. I was, I was down as well. Um, My wife was like, "Oh, that's disgusting." What? Yeah, he had a toothache. But you hear it so. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it is very gross. Yeah, it is. You guys just blowing some stuff up out of like wild proportion. It's like it's like two seconds. Okay. I know, but it okay. really bugged me. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Uh, let's let's go to something that had more screen time. Uh, the giants. The giants. I mean, by more screen time, I mean more of the screen. Um, <laughs> so there's these giants in this movie. There's like six of them. They're all women, and one of them is a baby. They're all naked, but you can't really see them because of the mists. He comes up over the ridge with his fox, which is his mom. We've been saying, yeah. and he sees the giants, and he says, "Hey, if you're walking across the valley, could I get a ride?" And the giants turn, and one of them reaches over to like 
smack him or squish him or something. And the fox barks and the giant backs off. The fox howls and the giants all intone a few, a note of some kind. And they all like turn their, their heads to the skies and they do this vocalization. And then the next scene is Dev Patel walking. The giants are in the distance. And then this was the, the, one of the things I wanted to show about the passage of time. The camera does a slow 180 upside down and the giants disappear. And I think what that's saying is the giants are passing away from this world mm. because then they're out, then they're gone. You can't see them anymore. Um, they're lost in the mists. So I don't know. I, I personally like the giants because it's super weird. I don't know what it has to do with the movie. But that's where I sit. Yeah. What do, what do you guys think? I, yeah, I think they are passing away. Like, I, they've stuck with me. But I think the reason they've stuck with me is that it almost seems like... Like, I, the way I see Sir Gawain's character is... Like, um, he kind of failed his, his whore girlfriend in a little way. Like, right? Like, he... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I really liked the girlfriend. I don't know what to call her. Uh, Essel, prostitute. Her name is Essel. So, like, um, like that scene when, when, like, she really wants him to be, uh, to ask her to be her lady, and then she gives him something, and he keeps it with him the entire time. And the way he won't say anything, he won't say yes, and he won't say no to her when she says, will you make me your lady? And then she has to make up words for him to say. And the, I'm sorry, he, she, she, she says, lady. lady. <laughs> would you make me your lady? Would you, would you make me a lady? Lady. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I, act, I was the only one in the theater that laughed. <laughs> that was like, it, ah! it got me a, a, a brief, it got me like a nose breathe. Went, <laughs> and that was it. But the way he does that, and then the way it's all about like, it's like him failing his mom. Like, it seems like he has this failure to female characters and these giants seem to be, it's almost like they are the giant failures in his life. Or maybe even in his future life, which is why there's a baby there too, because there could be a baby that he rips from somebody's wombs. Like I, like I, like no real logical argument for that, but that was just the general feeling that stuck with me and haunted me after the fact. So could be totally wrong, but I have no idea what else they could be. Seems good to me. Yeah, that's that's the best. Inter- I have no interpretation. I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I do yeah. like the giants, but again, maybe them staring off into the distance, howling, could be a a bit shorter. I, I just I just don't understand that. Like the explanation for the giants, I think is good. I just don't understand. It, it, is is Morgan Le Fay through the fox communing with them? They're obviously sharing something. Is he just having like? a trip well no because i was watching and that happens significant he already has a trip before that yeah Yeah, he sees like his hand he sees the green knight and in in the distance with the thunderstorm right yeah and then and then he's walking but uh, all right this also maybe disgusted me a little bit but if you think about them as like the giant failure of, of women in his life and he goes up and immediately asks like how can he make use of them like can i ride on your shoulder even though you're not even going the same way i'm traveling right now it just it made me disgusted with him more, and maybe maybe the fox is like the mom trying to control herself with her son, who's just fucking everything up. I don't know. 
<laughs> I do know though that if I was traveling a great distance and I saw a giant like that, I don't know. It's it's not the worst thing in the world to ask for a ride. Uh, like in one step, in one step, they will cover what you can do in like an hour. Oh, I know? I would be so far away from those things. Yeah, I would be on the other side of. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm King Arthur's nephew. Yo, giant, give me a ride. <laughs> All you've been doing is sleeping with prostitutes, Vita. Why are you King Arthur's nephew and just sleeping with I'm prostitutes? I'm King Arthur's nephew, and my mama is going to cast a spell on you if you're not nice. So you, 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 you just, you just shut up. How about that? Yeah, it turn you into a toad. Ooh, I'll be a toad. You're a toad now. <laughs> I'll be. Ribbit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to tell my mama. <laughs> Ribbit, mother. <laughs> is this a dad movie i think what what else do you really want to talk about uh i, I last like dislike let's just say um mom do we like or dislike the mom like like not her character or whatever in the story like did as a mom just as like the act like the role or whatever do we think uh, it worked i think it worked. do you think it worked i okay. think it worked I think I think it could have been a little more obvious, um, but maybe then this movie wouldn't be so interesting. Yeah, I don't think I really did like the mom. I don't know. Okay. Like, I, you would prefer this movie without her in it, or without like the characterization, or whatever. Maybe. I don't think there would be a movie. I mean, like changing it or something. She's yeah. on screen for very little time. Yeah, yeah. truly on screen. That's true. She's on screen and seems to be, and it seems to be pretty significant. Maybe this whole thing is is her. It totally is. The movie opens with her casting the spell. It opens with that badass scene of him sitting in King Arthur's chair with a crown descending and his head lights on That's fire. True. It's yeah. freaking awesome. And then fifty different that bonds of Sir cool. Garwin goes before the screen. Loved that. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. We know. You know what? Actually. Sneaky favorite thing that I like that's not on this list. Did you guys? I, I thought there could have been a whole movie where I just watched those geese and that goat fight each other. <laughs> oh, I really that like the opening. The opening scene I thought was really great. That got me into the movie. Yeah, of oh, like that's of so like, strange that, that you liked. That. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 you like that. I mean, because that's like nothing happens. It's just this goat and these geese that are like like sparring a little bit. And that guy is that guy dead? Is he is he sleeping? Like what's up? There's with him? the barn on fire that nobody's doing anything about, and those people come. Who are those people? Why is he taking his sword and running to the barn? I don't know. And why is no one else going? I don't know. Who and are they? Isn't that a kid? Isn't it a kid that no, goes? No, no. It, it's he's it's a young. kid that goes. It's yeah. He's like twenty, like eighteen. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a girl that's with him. But you know, like for for you know valor and chivalry, he's he's going, and then. But why the sword? I, I don't he's know. going to fight something. I don't know. He's, he's going to go fight the fire? <laughs> I don't know. He's clearly like... He's, he's a firefighter, he, Vito. <laughs> he's a stupid kid who has his, like, I don't know, view of a hero. And he, he goes off with the sword. And I think, thought that was cool. And then it pans to Sir Gwaine, our protagonist, sleeping in sleeping in a bed. Huh? wonder what he's doing there. Oh, he's in a whorehouse. Okay. Yep. It's, it's, a, it's a brothel. He is in a brothel. He's, he's in, in a brothel. brothel. Yeah. With all of his brothels. There's a couple bros there. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah. I kind of thought that that was like, here's here's the classic chivalric tale that's going on 
in in most like King Arthur type stories that you're going to see. And now here we are in the real world. Yeah. That's kind of how I took it. I think it's going to be taken. Yeah. That I is, liked it. Take yeah. it. No. That's cool. That, that is I the just, way I, I also, took it. Yeah. That's I just feel like you both you both are skating over the geese fighting the goat. I love the geese that fighting the goat. That was really cool. It made me laugh. I laughed in the theaters. <laughs> I, it was also, so weird. Also, when I went with my friend, there were 27 minutes of trailers before this movie. Oh, my god! Oh, there were so many. Yeah, 27 sounds right. I, I was there with my watch. After about 10 minutes, I was going, oh, this is a lot. Yeah. And then 20. And what happened was that they they were not all two and a half to three minute trailers. There was a couple of those. But there was a couple that were only like a minute and a half that were full trailers that were cut down. And I know this because I've seen the full trailer and that wasn't the full trailer. And the number of horror movies that were advertised to my eyes was so intense. And I kept hearing the same sound effects of knives slicing and bones crunching. I could not tell you the titles of the movies because they just all blurred together in this endless stream of gore. They just thought that because I was here to see the Green Knight, I wanted to see people die and die and die. By the time we got to the Don't Breathe 2 trailer, I was like, I'm I'm done. I'm done. I, I want to leave. I turned to my friend. I was like, dude, I can't do this. He goes... He goes, I know. And then finally, when it was all over and the lights came up and that the opening scene started, my friend, he, he, he says out loud in a very loud voice, he says, now I don't even want to watch this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and a whole bunch of people laughed. And one guy's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it was punishing. It. it was punishing. Yeah. I needed the slow pastoral scene and I needed the goat and the geese to like remind me, oh yeah, I'm here to watch a movie. I'm not here to be advertised to. Yeah. Oh, the same thing happened to me. Yeah, I I didn't see that many horror movies. It was like Candyman, and then uh, I don't know the sheep. That's movie. a rough trailer too. And the, the Candyman sheep. trailer is like brutal. I did not like the sheep movie trailer. <laughs> lamb, Ooh. yeah, lamb. What if there was a lamb, and it was your kid? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this movie? I don't want to see that. Lenny really wants to see it though. So. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna see that. Yeah. I, I I wanna see that. I'm gonna see it that looks I'm gonna so see that weird, weird shit. <laughs> um But you know it's not a dad movie that but you know it is a dad movie for my book is The Green Knight. The Green Knight. I think it's a dad movie because I think that it is the kind of slow, ponderous, rigorous, you know, intellectually kind of movie that's so steeped in symbolism that I will be able to when I'm like fifty years old. And I'm talking with some other insufferable movie guy who's also in his 50s. I will lean across the table and be like, but it really reminds me of David Lowry's 2021 masterpiece, The Green Knight. Mm. And if that guy doesn't know that, I got to checkmate on this <laughs> argument, baby. <laughs> so for that, for bragging dad rights alone, I'm saying it's a dad movie. And also just personally, it, it, it touched me deeply. And if you've listened to this episode, you know, you know that. <laughs> um, what, what do you guys think? I, I'm going to go ahead and say it's, it's not a dad movie because I didn't enjoy watching it. So I'm probably not going to watch it a whole lot myself. I did enjoy thinking about it. It's got some really cool concepts, um, concepts, concepts about like manhood and, you know, being, being a knight in modern age. I think that's, that's cool to see, but I don't know. I, I'm not sure if this is essential viewing for me and my kids, or if I really want to be strongly associated with this movie before I'm going to be strongly associated with this movie enough for me to call it a dad movie. So I don't think it is. That resonates with me, but I, I'm going to say this is, 
feel like this is a son movie. Like this is like a movie for sons who are grown up. Um, and sort of like as me as a son, um, more than me as a father. Um, and I don't know. I mean, maybe this is because the movie movie resonated with me in this way because it felt like I, I didn't have a dad growing up. My dad passed away. Um, and so uh, there were some similarities with uh, with me and Gwen in that way. Like he, it's him and his mother um, and the relationship that he has with Arthur, Arthur coming in and being kind to him and, and kind of teaching him some things that really resonated and, and really um, really struck me some of the i don't know it seemed like some of the the journey that he goes on uh, obviously in a very different way uh but in a symbolic way felt very similar to the journey that i've gone on in my life um and that's made me who i am as a dad and as a man and as a person um but i don't think of it as something that's like oh this is this is a piece of, of work that's going to inform my dadhood. It's something that I, I, I think I said earlier, it's a lens that I can see my own life through. Um, and it helps me to understand my own life uh, up until this, this point or up until, you know, 10 years ago, maybe better. And, uh, and, and that's, that's really cool. I, I feel like I don't, I don't know of another movie that kind of strikes this chord and maybe that's just because I'm, I'm only reaching this point in my life where I'm looking back in this way. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I, I like the movie for a lot of the same reasons. Um, well, you know, not, not quite, but, uh, yeah, but it, it's like a guy trying to search for, for how and what it means to be a man and just grasping at straws in some ways. Yeah, but I I don't see that as particularly dad in some ways. Okay, so it's uh so is that a no? Yeah, I think that's a no. Not a dad movie, but important. Yeah, very good. I'll say the same. And I'm gonna up my rating. It's four and a half stars. You won me over. <laughs> I don't know how, but I'm, I'm glad I'm glad my work meant something. Good. Okay. Uh, well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this is. Continuing to interrupt our modern Western series, but next week you will be able to hear 310 to Yuma, which unfortunately we had to record without Jesse. Um, super bummer. Yeah, I can't but, wait to hear uh, what you guys had to say about that one. Without pretty much oh, universally shitty things. You no. know, <laughs> by the way, there's one thing I wanted to say about the movie, which I can't, so I will say right here, right now, at the end of the Green Knight. <laughs> but they they go to Bisbee, Arizona, right? And Bisbee, Arizona looks nothing like that. It's built into a mountain. It's like a mining town. It's really cool. It's like, like you have to, you, you drive around hills in order to get there. And like, it's, it's not in like a, a plane where everything is flat and there's only like five buildings around. That's stupid. That's not Bisbee. And that annoyed me about that movie, but I love that movie otherwise. <laughs> I love it a lot. That's that, that, that's a good note. Actually, my family uh, uh, owns some some land out in Busy. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a cool place. And yeah, what I mostly was reminded of is in watching Three Ten Yuma was that um, this is clearly the bar from Red Dead Redemption. Like this is just <laughs> oh, yeah. the town from Red Dead yeah. Redemption. <laughs> um, it's so generic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, generic town with the hotel for some reason across the town from the train station. You don't put a hotel that far from the train station. What are you, stupid? <laughs> City planners. <laughs>
Anyway, tune in for such amazing takes as that from myself and uh, and some good ones that are actually good from Mike. Um, but from all of us here at Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Jesse. Good night. <laughs>